Welcome to Around the Table. A house supported by four pillars would be lopsided if one of the pillars were shorter than the others. Historically, the sharing the gospel pillar of our church mission was, shall we say, underdeveloped. Today's conversation covers ways we can make sharing the gospel less intimidating so that it becomes a more natural part of our everyday life. Our first pillar of our church mission is presenting the gospel to the lost, something that we all care about, something that we want to engage in, and something that we as an elder body consider important. We're trying to spend the little bit of time this morning in discussing how we can bring that into appropriate balance. I'm John Wiegand from Silverton. Greetings. I'm Bruce Andrus from the Bradford congregation, and uh, it is a blessing to be on this today. Yeah, and I'm Nick Gutwine from the West Lafayette congregation, and really looking forward to having this discussion with Bruce and John. We, we work together on this, and thankful, thankful to be here. You know, backing up, we spent this time in Acts, spending time in the Word, using that as a starting point to see how the early church did this and how how we can uh, live into what they experienced. So perhaps to make a beginning, Bruce, we'll look to you. Just how would you go about painting the big picture of the gospel? Yeah, well, I think uh, as we went through the book of Acts, the thing that stood out to me the most is as the apostles shared the gospel, they had a much bigger picture in mind than what typically I had understood in the past. The resurrection, I think maybe we've said this multiple times, but the resurrection just lit the fire of the early church. And uh, there's a scripture in Romans chapter 1 that I really think set the stage for what the gospel is. And it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore or before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So maybe if I could just sum it up, it's, it is the story of Jesus from beginning to end. And it is, uh, it's about his first coming. It's about his second coming. And it's about the whole plan of God to correct the corruption of creation. And um, it's just a beautifully, a beautiful, expansive picture of what God is doing. And uh, it was through the study in the book of Acts that my eyes were open to uh, really to the beauty, much of what I had missed of what the gospel is. So that's just a beginning. I love that thought. And when we're telling big pictures and we have an expansive story, uh, one of the things that, that I notice when trying to share it is there's so much to share. I'm sometimes inclined to think I can fix the problem by speaking faster or if I'm writing, printing in a smaller font to try to get more information packed in in less time. But that isn't always the most effective way to to tell a big, big story. Nick, how do we take into account that we're not all listening with the same ears at the same time at the same point? 
in, in sharing the gospel. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great point and really interesting. I, first of all, appreciate the same things that Bruce brought up around the study. Uh, just, you know, we, we, we worked first to try to define the gospel and then it's almost like taking the entire Bible and trying to, trying to summarize it. It's just impossible to do. Um, and so that big picture, you know, was, was uh, a fantastic part of our, of our study. At the same time, though, you, as you mentioned, you know, God puts man in certain circumstances where we have an opportunity to share that gospel to various people in various places. And I think it's important that we meet them where they are. And, and I think Paul and the other, uh, the apostles did that so well and, and set the example for it, whether it's, you know, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch or whether it's uh, Paul and his group with Lydia near the, by the river. Um, and, and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. So I think it, it requires that we really get to know the people that we're sharing it with, that we understand them, where they're coming from, you know, do they have a background at all in, in, in the faith? Um, you know, sometimes if you meet, if you ever met someone who is of a different faith, uh, for example, a Buddhist, we have some friends who are Buddhists, you, you have to start very fundamentally, um, just, I think like Paul did when he was with the, uh, with the, in Athens with the Areopagus and explaining the gospel, he, he didn't start with the old Testament scriptures. He, he started with, you know, their poets and philosophers and their unknown God. So I think it takes that big expansive gospel and it requires us to be ready when God puts us in a place to meet people where they are. As I'm hearing that and thinking about how. I want to meet them there. That spot in Acts 17, people don't pre-declare where they're coming from. They're, they're not necessarily in a spot of saying, I'm looking to receive the gospel, but, but we meet them in the situation. And if I'm remembering that right, we have Paul engaging in Athens prior to that, engaging in Thessalonica with people with a Jewish background. So in relatively speaking, close proximity, engaging in very different circumstances in very different ways, but speaking to the, the needs of the individual and in both cases and in the other cases that, that Paul and the other apostles experienced, always taking them back to that expansive story, who is Jesus? What has he done? What does he desire for us? How can we get to know him and to be part of the kingdom of God. So let me just throw something random here into the mix to see how we, we think about this. As we are trying to meet individuals where they are, we're coming to that from where we are. So our starting point and, and our um, experience is part of that. How do we um, let who we are be part of the sharing of the gospel in the right way and not get more influence than it should have? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I'm not sure that I have an answer to it, but a few thoughts that hit me. I, I've heard the gospel kind of uh, explained like a, a diamond and it glistens from many different angles and many different points. And so we can we see it from our own perspective of what we understand. And yet we know that it's, it's so much bigger than that. So how, how do we 
I think one of the the best ways is probably to focus down at the at the very fundamentals. And so, as with anything, like if you're learning how to read, you start with just the simple building blocks of ABC. And I think that that's really probably one of the the things to keep in mind about this uh, expansive message is to keep it simple that there is a creator God and uh, we, we will give an account to him. We will someday meet him. And I guess that that's the thing that strikes me is um, just trying to keep it simple um, while I understand that it is a big topic. Thanks for those thoughts, Brother Bruce. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, the, the focus is, is an important thing. For me, I was thinking of uh, uh, responding to John's question from a different angle, and that is really the need for us to be uh, understanding who we're communicating with and who we're sharing the gospel with, what their background is, what their, you know, needs are, how much they've been exposed even to the word of God. And so it seems to me like it starts with um, listening and getting to know someone and their circumstances and then being able to respond accordingly um, with, with a message that would, would speak to them and that would be understandable to them. And I, I feel like the spirit can do that. And we have to, I'll speak for myself, um, resist the tendency to just want to share what we know. Um, and first get to know the individual. And I, I feel like it was modeled really well in scripture, um, by the apostles and who they were, who they were engaging with. And then even Jesus, you know, in John chapters three and four, you know, Nicodemus comes at night and it's a totally different conversation, uh, than he had with the woman in the well, a woman at the well, a woman from Samaria. And so, um, they're good examples for us. And I think it's almost like stepping out of ourself and stepping into the life of the people that we're, we're wanting to share the gospel with. I love that thought, Nick. In fact, it, it triggers this interaction that I had where I had this great intent in terms of how I was going to be helpful. And as I could sit back and listen and just absorb the, this person who I was visiting with and their struggle with faith. And they asked me to just kind of listen and um, read some things that they had explored and to walk with them through that. And that actually is what was helpful more than anything that I may have uh, came to the table with. Do you brothers think that if you think back to first Corinthians nine and Paul was really a passionate plea that he would be, you know, a Jew for the Jew, a Gentile for the Gentile, uh, that he would for all for the sake of the gospel. How do you, how do you apply that or interpret that? You know, to me, it's not that he was a chameleon, but it seemed to me that was speaking into this very issue of really understanding who he was, who he was engaging with so that the gospel could be, could have, could, could be on fertile ground. What do you think about that? Yeah, brother Nick, that's a, that's a good point. And I hope I can tie this a little bit together. I, you know, we talk about personal preparation and I think that Paul was so in tune with the full picture of the gospel that he was able to use the bits and pieces of it that would resonate with, with the different groups. I agree. He wasn't uh, a chameleon and just trying to, to uh, give certain parts 
to certain people, but it was part of the whole. And I, I have heard once, maybe it was Albert Einstein that said, if uh, you can't explain something to a five-year-old, you probably don't understand it very well yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it, it challenges me to be a student of the, the whole gospel, mm-hmm. so much so that I am able to speak a bit or a piece of that and see how it fits in the life of the person who I come in contact with. I couldn't agree more with that. And it just compels, I think it compels us to, to be in the word and to know the word. Um, and it, it, in ways, in many ways, it's daunting because the word is so big and expansive and deep. Um, but nevertheless, uh, that's what we're called to do to, to be in it. And, um, and then I think it allows us to apply it, uh, in the circumstance as the spirit, spirit opens the way. Thank you for sharing that. Perhaps another thought on that First Corinthians nine to consider is, um, as we are in the Word, what comes out of us is the Word, and and not these things that would distract from the gospel. So as Paul was willing to connect to others where they were, he didn't let the other things around the edges get in the way to muddle the message. Mm-hmm. And I think our willingness as we share to make sure that what's coming out of us is Jesus Christ and him crucified in our, in all aspects of our life really can make a, a big difference in how the gospel is heard and understood and, and, and then lived. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And, and just like for us, I mean, we, we started with a small picture and it built, I do think that there's definitely a case to be made that as someone hears and understands and begins to respond to the gospel message that there's opportunity to teach and encourage because, you know, even the concept of discipleship probably is a, a little bit hard to have a, a compelling case for discipleship without the bigger expanse of the gospel. And so just because we start with someone and meet them where they are, doesn't mean that uh, that message can't be developed and expanded to its fullness in time. In fact, I think it's important that it, 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 that happens, you know, I, and I think it can happen in many ways, right? Sometimes it takes, uh, that, you know, broad and deep discussion of the gospel for someone, perhaps for the spirit to move and turn someone to Christ. And sometimes it doesn't, but either way, we're, we're spending a lifetime, uh, as believers, uh, growing into who we are in Christ and thereby, the gospel and the expanse of the gospel, I don't know what you brothers think, but it's it's one of the most exciting things about being a Christian is is learning more and seeing more and feeling more of the fullness of the gospel. And so we want people to, to, to know that, to understand that. It's it's um, there's belief and repentance and conversion and then a whole new whole new life of, of seeing Jesus. And it's just a it's a wonderful thing. I agree. I'm wondering if there's a underlying, I don't know if it's fear or something else that might be in us sometimes about how we navigate through this. And as I'm listening to this and just kind of playing in my own mind, there are times that what I want, which when I think I'm on the right track is I want 
the this one that for whom Christ died, I want them to know him. But sometimes the focus can be, I want them to make this decision for Jesus, decision for Christ. And the focus is on that as the end of the story. And maybe sharing that as a counterpoint is how can we avoid getting caught in this, I want someone to say yes as the end, as opposed to part of this growing as a disciple. Any any thoughts on on that, whether it's about us or about um, even the hearts that are receiving it? We always have to remember that we have nothing to do with the outcome. That's my view. That it's God's work. We plant, we water. It's God who gives the increase. And so, uh, boy, it's so counter to uh, I think the way our minds work in in the secular world, where you work hard, you get something for it. You have achievement. You have outcome. Well, in this case, I think it's just faithfully serving. And we may never, ever see the yes. And we have to trust that God has that covered. That's just like, um, it's, it, it's. I probably struggle with that a lot in my life, not seeing outcome and therefore thinking I'm a failure, therefore thinking I'm a failure. And um, that's actually very selfish thinking. Yeah, good points, Brother Nick. And I would also add to Brother John's question that, I think that we can get so focused on someone just simply saying yes, but the fuller extent of the gospel, it's not just um, the Romans road, for example. That's a nice beginning, but once we understand a broader expanse of the gospel, we understand that the goal is not to get someone to say yes. It is a powerful, compelling lifetime of service to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, to furthering his work. And I, I, I do think, again, so the bigger picture of the gospel helps us to uh, pull back from the us wanting to get something done, uh, like Nick was talking about. The positive example of Paul in this is pretty impressive, and it doesn't come out in a lot of words, but I've seen several places in in Acts, I think it was when he was in Antioch and then again at the end and other places, I guess Rome, Antioch and others, where this thought of I am um, there for a few years. It's It was this teaching and then it's, and there were years that passed. <laughs> there was this big uh, ongoing time commitment that was happening and engagement that was, was flourishing. And it wasn't about the moment. It was about his willingness to serve and then let the increase come from, from God. That, that's an excellent example, Brother John. Appreciate that. So as you've been listening, Brother John, do you, uh, you've kind of been moderating. What are, what are some of the thoughts that are floating through your head? Well, on this outcome-oriented thinking, it, it's, I'm just naturally a little bit engineering-like and wanting to see those outcomes. And the reminders that that you both shared about recognizing this is God's work and the outcomes are his and he asks us to step into it to be willing to to share and to engage and to grow and to um, recognize that this is part of my calling so my personal growth as a believer is important but my sharing of the gospel with others 
is what I'm called to. That's what disciples do. And not just the sharing, but the sharing in the ongoing sense of being willing to walk with others, that they come to know Jesus more and more. So, so that ongoing relationship part of us with each other in growing is, is something that I'm coming to appreciate more and more. And I, I think I knew it all along, but just as I've had time here over the past few years to really focus on it, I've transitioned from this place of seeing acts as, as history and now being able to really appreciate it as believers' lives in action. I think that was said beautifully. I've experienced the same thing, and it's been a blessing. Yeah, it's like all scripture, you know. It seems like I don't, I don't know your experiences, but you know, the more the more I read or study, the more dimensions come out. Uh, I guess that's why they call it the Living Word. <laughs> you know, it's just alive and and powerful. And so um, we could go over Acts again, and I feel like if we studied again, we'd probably see something even even more um, enlightening and helpful to us that we didn't get in the past one. So that triggers another thought for me, which is we think of our role sometimes as ministers of the gospel as the teachers. And when, when we recognize the role of the Spirit in teaching, both teaching us, but also in helping us express to others, but others as they share in our direction. I, I think of time I spend with uh, people early in their faith journey and, and late, but the amount of teaching that they do for me, the effort they expend and the blessing I receive in being discipled is really an important part of this uh, kingdom work. It's we're, we're not here just to be uh, one way, either receivers or sharers. We're all doing both all the time. I think that's why the pillars we talk about when we addressed evangel, you know, evangelism or sharing the gospel, we wanted to, I think we talked about rebalance to put some emphasis on it, but all of them are important and being discipled um, until, until we go to our graves is going to be critical to help us to help keep us accountable, to, to help us to grow and learn. And when we think we're done with that, then I think um, uh, that would be a sad thing because I don't think it never, it never ends. So we could maybe say it this way, a disciple is not only who we are, but it's also what we are to be doing, and it's also what we need. Well said. As we just look at the the end of the book of Acts, the Luke shares the following thought, and it's referring to Paul. It says, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. We're called, as, as Paul exhibited here, to this ongoing commitment to engage with all, teaching about Jesus, being confident in the Spirit. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your interest and also welcome your comments. To share your feedback or episode ideas, go to the settings menu in AC Central, select User Feedback, and when the web page opens, click the feedback on Around the Table link. Around the Table is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.